Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is a, yet another Tim May podcast. And boy, am I excited. I've got a co-pilot who can fly, man. He can really fly. You see him all the time on the television, especially on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Joshua Perry, uh, welcome back once again to the Tim May Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the globe. Is that something? Across the nation and around the world. uh, And around the world. I was close. Always good to be on this show. I know there's never a dull moment when you're dealing with Tim May and then you throw me in the mix and you never know what could happen. That's exactly right, ladies and gentlemen. And I also have a special guest coming on in the midst of this, uh, Tyrone Babb. Yeah, that last name rings a bell. He's the father of Cameron Babb, the young man who, boy, I still get, I got, I got goosebumps just now of saying it. The young man who caught his first college college pass on Saturday, it was for a touchdown. A young man who's endured four ACL surgeries three while in college, one in high school, and has beaten the odds just to be on a football field and finally get that moment. And, you know, we all saw that on Saturday. And we're going to have a conversation with his father, uh, uh, Tyrone Babb, in the midst of this uh, podcast. But, you know, uh, Joshua, as I I mentioned the the name Cam Babb and his dad, uh, Tyrone Babb, you know, you mentioned being a father and watching your son come back from from just one adversity after another. But Cam Babb, you got to watch that at the Big Ten Network. You've seen the replays and stuff. That That's a moment that touches you, right? It does. And then, you know, I don't have kids, so I don't know what it feels like to be a parent. But I've got brothers, blood brothers, and then I've got a bunch of other brothers that I developed through the game of football. And the pride that I felt for them is something similar to the pride that I felt watching that moment. And I'll just – I'll put it like this flat out. If it were me, I don't know if I could have endured four ACLs. I I don't know if I could have done it. And I don't know if I could have had the attitude that he has had throughout it. I mean, it's a multiple-time captain. He got the Blocko jersey for a reason. Everybody respects him. And I think that's what stands out more to me than anything else. Like, the fact that he was there to make the play beats the odds. Most guys couldn't do it. Yeah. And uh, like you just touched on, he exudes leadership. Without even be, he has exuded leadership without even being a player, but to show you that hard work, hard work uh, does pay off in the end, right? I mean, uh, you know, it's not that's the, not even always guaranteed, but the but the but the, just the wherewithal to put in that work, to have that mental strength to to get through that because it is a mental strength thing. You know, you heard him talk about how he, uh, his his faith has gotten him through this. His faith in his Lord and Jesus Christ has gotten him through this. Some people may scoff at those kind of comments, but there there are some dark moments you go through in a rehab situation where really the only person there, the only entity there with you besides yourself is is your faith, right? Is your Lord? And uh, he talked extensively about leaning on that, and you understand that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're sitting there in those dark moments. Like you said, nobody else is in your mind. But when you have your Lord and Savior right there, it seems like that's a situation where you can be uplifted. And I mean, there, it is it is an extreme story of faith and of perseverance and of belief. And um, it takes a, a unique person to be able to battle through that, somebody who truly is convicted in, in what they believe. And uh, quite frankly, not just to battle through personally, but to be the ultimate teammate throughout that too like that's that's difficult man because that's a time where nobody would nobody would point the finger at you if you decided to be selfish if you said i'm going to worry about me first and foremost and we'll get all the other pieces together as i start to heal but he's a guy who's been there for everybody else even through his worst moments yeah, instead of a hangdog guy, he was a top dog guy. I mean, he was mm-hmm. always leading. He was showing the, the the work ethic, et cetera, it takes. You know, well, let's move on because, uh, dude, I'm trying to figure this out. Number one, the Southeastern Conference, the be-all and end-all of all conferences, right? 
they already know who's playing in their championship game. And there's two weeks to go in the regular season. And most of these uh, Southeastern Conference teams this week are playing patsies of some sort, except Georgia's playing Kentucky. That's a legitimate that's the a legitimate Kentucky matchup. that lost to Vanderbilt? Yeah, the Kentucky that just lost to Vanderbilt. There you Got go. It. But you know what? That just shows you how strong the SEC is, man. Oh, <laughs> anybody yeah. can beat anybody. Yeah. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, the Big Ten East is going to come down. Anyway, former fashion, it's guaranteed now to come down to Ohio State versus Michigan, no matter really, I think, what happens this week, uh, mm -hmm. because the winner of that game would still – you know, hold sway, I, I think, in a, in a, if it ends up in a tiebreaker deal, if, in fact, Michigan doesn't get by Illinois or Ohio State doesn't get by Maryland or both of those calamities happen. Uh, so that's one thing. The game matters as much this year as it did last year and as much as it did in the 1970s. You know, we'll touch on that in a minute, but we'll get big time on that, obviously, next week. But the Big Ten West, Joshua, you're there in the Big Ten uh, – the Big Ten Network offices, uh, et cetera, covering this kind of thing. What the hell is going on in the Big Ten West? And I'm going to ask you in a minute who's going to ultimately win it. But there's, there's what, four teams, four and three? Yeah, it's a bad situation. i got to pull up my matrix here just so I can yeah, exactly. through this. I mean, <laughs> it's it's wild. And, and Illinois was firmly in the driver's seat, and then they lose back-to-back -back games at home and games that they're supposed to win. And yeah. now you're looking around. So Illinois needs to win out, and they need Purdue to lose. Purdue needs to win out, and they need an Iowa loss. Then yeah. Iowa needs to win out. They need an Illinois loss, which you're probably going to get uh, against Michigan. So it seems like they've got the, the clearest path that they can handle their own business. Yeah. Then Minnesota's still in play. They have to win out, and Illinois has to lose, and Purdue has to lose. And then Wisconsin is in play. They need to win out. They need two Illinois losses, two Iowa losses, and a Purdue loss, right? So what do we make of this? And it, it, we felt like the West was wide open coming into the season. I think that the the rosters are more balanced over there. A lot more programs that work off of development than high end uh, athletes coming in and making an impact. Um, I did not perceive this scenario to be the case uh, that it was going to come down to the very last week of the regular season. And if you didn't pick up what I was putting down there, nobody controls their own destiny at this moment in the West. Of Everybody's course. depending on somebody else to stub their toe to make it to Indy. The mess in the West. You get, I want to see you use that this week. The mess in the West. Uh, because I expected – I thought Minnesota had the wherewithal to be sitting right now like uh, – uh, what what would it, what would be the numbers five and two or six and one right now? I thought Purdue was my next choice there because you know, but then you see them stub their toe at all places Iowa, you know, and uh, Iowa suddenly found offense. I mean, something there was an epiphany uh, on their way back from getting drubbed at Ohio State. They found some offense, which is nuts, and they're the ones really kind of stirring the drink right now. That doesn't mean they're gonna get to sip the sip the drink, no. but they've stirred the drink. And then and then Illinois was riding right along, like you said, with winnable games and has stubbed their toe. And now, boy, you talk about a must-win situation, and you're going against a team that's ranked number three in the country, uh, in Michigan. Uh it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it all, isn't it? It is. It's difficult to wrap your head around it all. And in, in Iowa, they did find some offense for a couple of weeks. This past performance, I think, was uh, more beneficiary of great defense and special teams. They had like 150 yards of total offense in the game, yeah. which is nasty. Um, yeah. But for Iowa, if you can get to 150, you could probably win a game, right? Yeah. Um, so it's unique to see them from that perspective. Uh, I, I had Purdue as my team in the West coming into the season. It was my preseason hot take. I was all into it. About three weeks into the season, I became very disengaged on that narrative. Uh, Purdue is the most inconsistent football team that I have watched in a very long time. They, at their top end, are a team that you feel like has a – I mean, they should have been running away with the West. And at their low end, it's a team that can get beat by anybody and it's going to look ugly as it happens. Um, this is – it's a hell of a situation, man. It's like, in one regard, it's really fun because games are going to matter up until the end. In another regard, it is frustrating to watch teams that you know are better than maybe what the record says scuffle week after week against teams that they should be beating. Yeah. 
What what do you attribute that to, Joshua? I, I want. To, let me just. Start. I think the home field is. I think the home field has gotten home field advantage has gotten even more acute in college football. I mean, if you look around the country right now, I mean, Ole Miss and Alabama battled down to the end. You know, the other night, and of course, you know Alabama's uh, struggles except for one game against. Uh, who would have seen this? Texas A&M at Alabama. That was a struggle too. But, but you know, a really good, really decent programs go into other places and struggle. Let me ask you. I'm, I'm answering. I'm trying to answer your question. I'm giving you the, my answer to it. I'm stammering because I'm getting back to my question. What do you attribute this to? Like, what do you attribute Purdue's inconsistency to as you've watched them? Yeah. So I, I want to touch on the home field, and then I'll get to the inconsistency okay. thing. So. Uh, Joel Klatt has a podcast, the Joel Klatt show. I'm a big fan of his work on television, but this yes. podcast has been great talking about college football. And a few weeks ago, he ran through home field and, and why it's such a big deal in college football. And Ohio State's been a great team playing at home. Michigan's the same way. They play extremely well at home. Uh, you look at Alabama, the only time they've struggled this year is out on the road. You go through names and names of teams. Oregon is the first time losing at home in like 23 home games yes. um, this past weekend. So you can look at college football and say teams are just more comfortable. You got a lot less going on. You don't have to worry about, you know, what you're going to do about classes and do you have an assignment due and trying to make sure you can keep 70 guys all on the same page. Purdue, this is this is the key for them. Their defense is, is overly aggressive. It's like the Don Brown defenses that Michigan had where – They'll fire you up, but if they miss one assignment, it is 88 and out the gate, like, just bad. So when it's clicking, it's really good. When it's not, putrid. And then the offense, to me, they have an offensive line issue in terms of protection, and that has affected their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. But Aiden O'Connell, for as good as he's been, I, I love the kid. I love the way that he's played. I think that he is a, uh, a high-end quarterback until he starts making mistakes. And he'll throw a couple passes a game where it's like, bro, what the hell told you to throw the football to that spot? Um, that has been their their biggest issue. So two challenges is defensively, when they get too aggressive, the big play happens. And then offensively, when the protection breaks down or when their quarterback gets a little bit loose with the ball, it's just nasty. Illinois. Are people loading up on Illinois now? And deny you don't understand what I'm saying. What do you see about that team right now? Because you know, boy, if they weren't playing Michigan this week, they'd still be my favorite to probably win the West. But I, I think this is going to be their trump card. Pardon the expression. Uh, what, what do you see about Illinois right now? Have they been found out? Um, a little bit, and Chase Brown's health moving yeah. forward is is going to be well, pivotal for them. Man, you keep you keep banging on a nail though. It's either going to go into the border or it's going to bend, right? Go ahead now. Yeah. Well, no, and I've I've said this about some of the volume backs in the Big 10. Uh Mo Ibrahim at yeah. um Minnesota and it seems like that guy's indestructible, but he also had an Achilles tear a year ago. Um yeah. but he's getting a ton of volume and then Blake Corum at Michigan and, and it looked like against Nebraska he was uh walking a little bit more gingerly than you want to see a running back walking but he's been a high volume back this year who's taken a ton of hits he seeks contact it becomes a challenge and for chase brown it didn't happen on a play with a, a huge collision he was trying to make the right play getting out of bounds late in the game and um you know ended up with the injuries very unfortunate situation but his health um they're dependent upon i don't think that they had uh the best protection so tommy devito was under duress during that game and he's a very efficient quarterback in the short game and in the intermediate uh, but when he's got to hold the football to make plays, the offensive line doesn't protect well and they don't have the downfield threat who consistently gets wide open. But I look at their defense and their defense played their worst game of the season. They gave it like 378 yards or whatever the case is. Um, and that's uncharacteristic for them. It was the most yards and the most points that they've allowed all year. Um, I have a lot of respect for that side of the ball for Illinois. I thought those guys were playing extremely well. Um, they need to get back to what they looked like when they were playing at their top end, which is challenging every route that's thrown on the football field and applying pressure to the quarterback. Are these two, uh, Michigan and Illinois, are these two teams, do you, do you expect a budding heads kind of confrontation? Do you see uh, McCarthy, do you see Michigan giving McCarthy a little more, uh, a little more rain to throw the ball down the field, et cetera? What do you expect to see on Saturday? 
they tried it against Nebraska, and they just couldn't connect on those downfield throws. I mean, yeah. J.J. McCarthy's stat line, he was like 47% completion. It was yeah. a guy who's completing, you know, 80-plus percent of his passes early on in the year. They just don't have that factor, and I think part of it is they have to use creative scheme to get guys open because they don't have natural separators. Um, and maybe that's more of a function of the way that their offense is built and how they practice versus the actual skill set of those guys. It's not a knock on – um, Michigan, as I say this, because it's a team like those guys on the edges block better than anybody in the Big Ten because yeah. they know they have to run the football. Um, but when you spend a lot of time working on that in practice, it maybe takes away from working on top ends of routes. Um, so that's going to be an issue for them. And this is a team that has this year started off slow. They're not necessarily a first half team. One of the best teams in college football at making adjustments and executing a second half game plan. Um, so maybe we get a little bit of tension. In the beginning of the game, maybe it's one of those where, you know, uh, Michigan has a small lead. The game is close, but we've seen time and time again, whether it was the Penn State game, uh, whether it was the game that they played against Indiana that wasn't sexy at halftime. Um, like, this is a team that they'll pull away. I mean, you know, Rutgers, Rutgers had them on, on the ropes. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, it's uh, 38 to nothing in the second half. Like, this is a team that just knows how to go out and execute. Yeah, it's like, it's like a boxing match. You know, it's like a 12-round championship match. It is. Where uh, Rutgers won the first four, five rounds maybe, and <laughs> never scored another point on the judges' No, I mean, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't, you know, you can't take all those punches, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're playing Michigan, you have to knock them out early yeah. on, yeah. right? Cause, yeah, haymakers. <laughs> yes, because they're a team that they'll eat your punches, and then they'll start delivering late. All right, real quickly, uh, Ohio State at Maryland. And I'm not trying to get you to do a preview of the game. I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this. Ohio State ran up over 600 yards total offense against Indiana. Maybe the worst team in the Power Five right now. I mean, just based on the way they're playing. I'm talking about Indiana. Uh, yet, Ohio State beat them the way they were supposed to beat them, with the exception of a couple of plays. Uh, but Ohio State's sitting there. Mayan Williams uh, had to be help, helped off the field and then carted off. And, and he was on crutches uh, on the sideline the second half. Mike Williams, the guy who started it running back again because Trivia and Henderson wasn't available. And uh, But I'm hearing Mayan Williams may be better sooner rather than later. Uh, from what I'm hearing, it might behoove them to hold him out this week. You know, just, Totally agree. Uh, uh, go with the, the, the freshman, Dallin Hayden, and uh, perhaps, I mean, uh, Xavier Johnson, you know, the X Factor, as I call it. What a guy. I yeah. mean, you talk about a guy who's bounced around to every freaking position on oh, the football field, special teams ace. And then you ask him to spell the young running back. And he says, you know what? I'll do just that. I'm going to take it 71 yards to the crib. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't know if how many people were watching that play. This is totally off topic. This is what we do on this show. That's okay though, man. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. Did you see the block that he laid <laughs> yes. on that? Yes. I mean, this Marvin Harrison Jr., I know it's just against Indiana. The, he's probably been the best and most consistent player for this Ohio State offense throughout the years. Not a knock on C.J. Stroud in the way that he's played because C.J. had made some big plays against Northwestern when that game was sticky. And he's a guy who has always figured it out, like might miss a couple throws, first half might not be going his way, and he just keeps swinging, right? Yeah. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is not just the crazy athletic play to get a freaking foot down that nobody else in the country could have made that play, contorted his body to do that. It is on a run play. This man is like 40 yards downfield, knocking somebody on their tush yeah. because he cares that much. Yeah. That's amazing. But you know what else? So if you watch that play to the end from start to end, Mitch Rossi throws a kick block, kick out block at the point of attack. You know, the play starts to over basically over left tackle. Uh, uh, Xavier cuts to the right, you know, goes almost to the right sideline, then comes back across. Like I said it was like watching a guy rock a canoe, you know, <laughs> the, the way he ran the ball. But at the end of that play, there's Mitch Rossi downfield again, helping throw in another block near the goal line, or at yeah. least help an escort. And CJ Stroud's right there with him. You know, what I mean, so that's that's the elite type effort in team offense that they need to have this week and the next week and the week after that and into the college football playoffs because that's the type of play that wins championships is it's when those guys are getting multiple blocks when you're on the fourth running back and they know they need to yeah. they know they had this is not to take anything away from x and the way he ran that because I, i'm with you on the zigging and zagging like the dude had natural instinct to just avoid any of the defenders out there yeah but julian the fleming that, also had two big blocks on that one, yeah, go ahead. 
But the fact that those guys are picking up those blocks, it shows you. Yeah. And and again, it's it's Indiana. I get it. But like I got to hear about Drake May and the performance he had against Wake Forest. And if you looked at the yards per play heading into that game, Wake Forest was at 55 uh, nationally in defensive yards per play given up. And Indiana was at 60th nationally. So it's not like the defenses were too unalike. It's yeah. the fact that one offense is probably way better than the other. Indiana's defense is on the field all damn game. Neither here nor there. But I get I, I have to hear people talking about the great performance that somebody else had against a defense that I don't think is very good. Then I'm going to talk about a great performance that the Ohio State Buckeyes had against a defense that's not very good. Yeah. and But on top of that, it wasn't just we're going to bully you and win this game. It was the effort, like you just pointed out, on that one particular play. That's a microcosm of yeah. what can take you places, right? It can but take. They got to do that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you got you got me even fired up because I thought that was so symbolic of a lot of things, you know, of having a guy who's willing to play several different positions, a guy who caught a swing pass early in the first half from a running back spot when they spelled uh, my wings. That was, that, was, that was basically a play they wanted to run that they really liked. You know, they ran it with Jackson Smith and Jigba in the, uh, in the Rose Bowl uh, from, from the backfield. But then also a guy who caught a pass in that, caught two passes in that game and a guy who had the, the biggest run in that game. And then yeah. a guy who, who, recovered the block punt at the two yard line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Xavier Johnson, you know, have a day. I mean, uh, I thought he's, he was sort of going, I mean, but yeah, but I want to get past this. So what, what, what has to happen this week for them to stub their toe at Maryland? I mean, I think their stub their toe road game has already happened from the standpoint of mother nature got involved at Northwestern and still totally agree. Still couldn't stop them. Uh, I've got just a sense about this team that it understands where it, where it sits and where it's got to get to. What is your what is your sense of Ohio State right now? Yeah, so if Ohio State does not get pressure on Leo Tungavailoa and forces them into bad throws, it could be a long day because they've got uh, weapons at wide receiver and they've got a, a tight end in Corey Deitches who I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so they it, it has to be complimentary on the defensive side. The, the pass rush has to be on point. And that's, you know, JT Tuimoloa, that is Jack Sawyer, um, that's our guy, Zach Harrison, who has really come on this year. Teron Vincent. Pass rush from the interior. Yes, Teron Vincent and Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams and company. Um, they all have to play like the players we know they are at their top end. And I, I think defensively uh, in the back end, certainly the uh, safeties and the corners need to be on assignment. Can't get burnt underneath with the linebackers either. But that tight end matchup. And then. Uh, flip it over to Ohio State. Like the biggest thing on offense this week, and we are just talking about the running backs, is one, Dallin Hayden. Like how how quickly can you get him up to speed that he feels confident in taking reps in case he has to be the option against Michigan? And then number two in the pass game, this offense has been extremely explosive, but Marvin Harrison Jr. has been the engine in the pass game. And so Julian Fleming, like consistently catching the football, Emeka Ibuka consistently getting open, like those are the next steps to me, because now I'm getting to a point where um, in Northwestern tried to do this, but they played cloud coverage. They had a hard corner and then they, they, they leaned the safeties over to Marv. Yeah. And um, he was the only one catching the football consistently in that game. But um, seems like that would be the game plan now. Let's say if I can X this guy out, let's see if the other guys are going to be as consistent um, as Marv has been. And at their top end, those guys are going to burn people. But if they don't have the consistency with it, that becomes more of a challenge. Have you been impressed with Ohio State getting Cade Stover involved? And obviously he had another hellacious game on Saturday against Indiana. Are you? Does that make them a complete – you understand what I'm saying when you – Yes. I mean, when you, when you kind of give tacit, you know – kind of tacit recognition of the tight end. This guy has had some key plays. He only yeah. blocks his rear end off, but I mean, he catches the ball and runs with it about as well as any tight end in the country right now, in my in my humble opinion. Uh, that just makes, that's just almost like the cherry on top, isn't it? I mean, what, what do you yeah. think? And he had the great play where he stretched out at the goal line. It was oh, yeah. a really athletic play. Um, and then the other one that he caught on the delay, if C.J. Stroud's legs aren't fooling anybody, he's probably getting covered on that play, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the fact that they could have run that as a naked rollout and C.J. could have walked in, now whoever was covering Kate Stover has to be really – Alert. Know, he's got to he's stay on that. 
like I got to go make this play because this quarterback might run it. But then, you know, Cade falls off into a route and all of a sudden it's an easy pitch and catch. So now we can see where this offense is really starting to build some layers to it. Um, love that you mentioned the tight end play because they run screens to Cade Stover. They've used him down the seam. Like you said, he's been uh, very good blocking. And now all of a sudden when you have a quarterback who at least gives you the threat of pulling the ball down, you can open up some more of these play action type plays where you're putting defenders in conflict. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, a, a player, I don't know if we'll see him catch another pass this year. You never know. Cameron Babb had a day. I mean, he had a moment. And for him, it probably felt like four or five years instead of just a day on Saturday when he caught that touchdown pass. And I got to catch up with his father, Tyrone Babb, who was going to be on my podcast earlier in the year when when uh, when Cam uh, was named the Bill Willis got that Bill Willis uh, jersey, that Block O jersey, that 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 means a lot to people, doesn't it, uh, Joshua? It does. It's, I mean, that's a, the highest honor in the program at this point. And um, you know, again, just going back to a guy who may or may not be your contributor, but he has the respect and admiration of everybody throughout that program. It really stands out. Um, the celebration that ensued after that touchdown. I mean, that those are the pictures that college football paints that we don't see anywhere else, in my opinion. And that's that's what this sport has been about for me. Well, let's get to let's get to what uh, his father, Tyrone Babb, uh, what his experience was on Saturday, what it meant to him to see his son. You know, again, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about that. Just you know, father the father who's probably taken many a phone call uh, from his, from his son over the years and stuff. It's happened again, dad, you know, whatever, however that message is conveyed. Let's get to my conversation now with Tyrone Babb. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, I got a special guest on here. I wanted to have him on earlier in the year after his son was named uh, the, the bearer of the block O Jersey for Ohio state. And I think everybody knows who that young man is. Uh, right. Definitely. If you don't know after Saturday, then you're not paying attention, close enough attention. But Ty Babb, father of Cameron Babb, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Thank you, Tim. Nice to be here. Let's just jump to the chase before we jump into a little background. Okay. See your son not just get his first catch, touchdown, uh, fourth quarter of that game on Saturday. We'll get into the background and why that mattered. But, heck, your son making his first catching and scoring a touchdown, that's in Ohio Stadium. That's pretty cool just by itself, right? Just just by itself it is. I tell you, uh, uh, me and my wife, Amanda, we've been waiting for this. And the whole family, we've been waiting for this for <laughs> quite some time. Yeah. It, it's been since high school, since uh, I've seen him make a catch. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I was kind of uh, emotionally lost for words, you know. <laughs> yes. Cheered up a little bit. Yeah. But let's tell everybody why uh, your young, your son, Cam Babb, who's one of the great individuals I've ever met at Ohio state. I've been covering it since 1984. Uh, he under, he, he came back from four ACL knee surgeries, one, I think in high school, three at Ohio yeah. state plus a meniscus tear relief, which sounds like, Oh, you know, not like popping a pimple. You know what I mean? <laughs> he had to go in and, and relieve that, that pain. Uh, as he heard, as he said, he heard some crackling in one of his knees in preseason camp, which right after he was named that Bill Willis, uh, that great honor being named that block O Jersey honor of Bill Willis, great, you know, great football player, went on become one of the first African-Americans in the modern day NFL. Uh, but great, a great honor for, for Cam, uh, boom, he had something go wrong in one of his knees again, which kept him on the sidelines until Saturday. So for five seasons, he's been hanging out, just trying to, to get, you know, obviously he played some in 2020. Let's don't, you know, right. yeah. Right. But, but this was his first catch and he caught it from a guy who might win the Heisman trophy. We'll get to that again in a second, but now add that into that emotion. Did it just, was it almost too much to handle for you on Saturday? It, it it was. You know, I tell you, when I saw him, when they lined up, uh, before that play happened, I saw him, uh, and my sister-in-law, was. she was sitting right in between me and my wife, and I was like, 
Oh man, they got Kim over there one on one. Throw back fade fade to the corner, and next thing you know, Clay takes off and boom, catches it. And it seemed like it happened so fast, but again, then again, it's like it was in slow motion because I mean, you know, it was just ah, uh, I don't know. I, I just can't. It's hard to describe in words how how I felt. At I would that think moment. you're sitting there. I would think you're sitting there going, "Oh my, oh my goodness, he's in one on one. What does this mean?" Uh, it looks like a setup for my son. Number two, they start right. Uh, C.J. Stroud rolls right, throws right. the ball, and I'm thinking all in like a second and a half. You're thinking, all right, catch it, catch it, catch it. I mean, and then you then you're realizing he did catch it, got knocked out of bounds, gets up. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, go ahead. I mean, it, it had to be slow motion, like you said. It, right? it was. I mean, it was. It, it's, it's like I said. It's it's kind of hard to describe, but it was. It's, I don't know. It's like it was surreal, you know, and then the feeling that I was just, I didn't have any words, but the feeling was, I was just overwhelmed yeah. just to be, I was so happy for him and what he's been through. I mean, man, yeah. couldn't have to a better person. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, even, even guys like us, we, I got goosebumps. I mean, cause yeah. I, I know that everybody knows his story. You're sitting there and this game is a blowout and you're going, blah, 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 and then something extremely extraordinary and special happens. It just took it to another level, right? It absolutely did. It absolutely did. There were a lot of tears that were around us. You know, the Buckeye family is great. I mean, it's just, man, it's awesome feeling. It's awesome feeling. And I tell you what, I got up Monday morning, because I've always wanted to see uh, see him on uh, a sports center, and I might have a cat behind me. I do apologize. That's okay. I've got we've got three in our house, so what if jumps on me? <laughs> but I always wanted to see him on sports center, and I tell you what, when I saw that, I mean, it's like the feeling came back again, like it's all over again. I mean, it was just unbelievable moment. Ty, unbelievable. Take, yeah, well, take me that. This is why I want to get to it. Take me back to like. Six years ago, your son's considered one of the top 100 recruits in the country, prospects in the country. You know, Ohio State recruits him. I think it was Urban Meyer and Zach Smith where Zach Smith was in the receivers coach. Uh, yeah. But Ohio State recruits him. They've already they've already put their name on the map of, of liking not just running backs from St. Louis, you know, but uh, but St. Louis area because you're you know he went to Christian Brothers High School there in St. Uh -huh. Louis, correct? Yeah, but. Uh, He's considered one of the elite prospects coming out. And you got to be thinking there's going to be a lot of sports center moments possibly for him. You know, obviously he got that first ACL injury in high school, right? But that was something a lot of guys have bounced back from, right? And right. I remember Joey Galloway. He seemed faster after he had an ACL than he did before, you know, for right. example. So you're thinking, okay, he gets over this hurdle. He's going to be moving on. But just take us back there. What, what, what were those feelings like about five and a half years ago? Well, the first time he did it, I was probably because they were going to have a scrimmage game. I was like 10 yards away from me, runs by, catches the ball, comes down. I see him go down. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, it's nothing. And the next thing you know, you know, go, we go in and, you know, we see the doctor a few days later and it says ACL. Yeah. So after that, we're thinking, okay, gets better, starts practicing again. And, okay, here we go. We're going to finally see him. It happens again. And, you know, it's just, yeah. So it, it's been a rocky road. But for, when you get those phone calls, what, what, you know, when you, obviously you were there when it first happened, the first one happened. But when you get a phone call back from, you know, Ohio uh, and you get those, is it, I'm not going to say it ever becomes commonplace, but did you, why did you ever ask, hey, what's going on? I mean, you know what I mean? You know, what, what what was the wondering like for you as a parent about what's going on here, you know? Yeah, you we, we kind of wonder, you know, uh, was wondering, you know, what was going on with it. But, I mean, it just we knew he was in good hands with uh, uh, Ohio State. And it's just, I don't know, if you've ever seen Cameron close up, I mean, that's – Kind of muscular built. Yeah. I mean, and that's <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. When he takes off and comes out and comes in his break, that's a lot on the body right there. Yeah. You know. So yeah. 
I don't know. It just it just kept happening, and we was just kept you know kept hoping and for hoping and praying that you know eventually get out there. And of course, yeah. Saturday did. This, did. this yeah, but you kept hoping and praying. This will be the fix that fixes him, right? I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it, it, were you ever told by physicians that you know that there was a chronic reason why these why these things would keep occurring, or does it? Do, do you feel like right now it was just pure? almost pure happenstance. You know what I mean? Was he prone for this injury? I, I, I think it was, he's just prone for this injury. I mean, I, you know, I've seen, even my daughter plays soccer, and I've seen a couple of people, a couple of girls in soccer, just, uh, you know, it doesn't look like they're doing anything, and they yeah. just go. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't know. Don't know. So, uh, but here, here's what I want to get to. His faith is undeniable. He talked about that more than he did the knee and the catch right. on Saturday. And when right. we got to talk to him after the game, uh, right. and a, a young man who's in uh, one or two, but three or four, you know, I would think you probably got phone calls occasionally of him wondering, man, you know, dad, you know, pops, whatever he calls you, you know, sir, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I want to quit football or maybe you called him the other way. And we're, we're saying, Maybe this isn't maybe this isn't working out. You know what I mean? Were were there right. ever those sort of dark moments over the last four years where you where both of you questioned whether this was his path, you know? Well, you know, the decision was always left up to him and yeah. he would always take uh he would always take a couple of days and he would say he's just gonna pray about it. And like once again, his faith, that's, that could be the only thing that to me got him through this. Yeah. Is this, you know, so, because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have got that far. Four ACLs, you know, love, a lot of people wouldn't have made it past one. Yeah. So, and, and, it, and, and like Ryan, they pointed out four ACLs means, four nine month periods of recovering before you ever get to try to play football or anything else again. Really? Right. I mean, and uh, as I was pointing out, I've got, I've got Joshua Perry as uh, my co-pilot on this podcast this week. We've already, you know, we've already, I've already spoken with him, but the bottom line is uh, you, an athlete sometimes is alone with his thoughts in those kind of situations. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. And it, it, you can go into some dark places there if you don't have that, that faith, right? I mean, that's it's almost like a light showing you through, isn't it? Yes, it is. You're you're absolutely right, and uh, because you just think uh, when they're out there practicing, he's over on the sideline doing you know whatever type of strengthening drill that uh, uh, Stu had him doing, and yeah. man, God bless Stu because he's right, I want, he, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Work, He's working Cameron through all of these and uh, man, God bless him. He's a good guy. And we're He's talking about, guy. we're talking about Adam Stewart, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. the, uh, the young man, part of the Ohio state training crew, but uh, trainer staff, but he's, he's, you know, he's sworn by and in, in good ways by almost everybody he's ever. And I hate to say this out loud touched. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he has a knack. I mean, Ohio state has gone out of its way to keep him around because he's as valuable right almost is any coach there from the standpoint of he doesn't just set up reg regimented training and, and, and uh, programs for these guys to come back from, but he really helps them in the mental side of it. I do believe. And uh, I've gotten to speak to him many times and Ty, what, yeah. What is your, what is your impression of, of Stewie, Adam Stewart? Oh man. It's just, he's great. Yeah. He, he is great. That, uh, I was telling Cameron that he'll probably he'll probably be at your wedding whenever you get here. He should be at your wedding when you get married. Yeah, because <laughs> he's a, he's absolutely a good guy. Yeah, a good a good person. And you need some when you're going through something like what Cameron has went through. You need somebody around you like that because yeah. I'm sure it's been many a days where it's just been him and uh, uh, Stu one on one. You know, by themselves. So I'm sure Cameron has had times where he's had to lean on him. But Stu would probably tell you that's what he's there for. So you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But 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 there are guys that are there. There there are people who are in that profession who don't have that caring aspect to them that oh, I think right. Stewie 
Adam Stewart brings to the equation. I remember when he when he had JT Barrett move into his house with him for several days uh, after uh, JT Barrett uh, had an injury in the Michigan game. Uh, they did a meniscus, you know, whatever procedure on his knee, and he actually played a week later in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, you know, he wasn't 100 percent whatever, but he was he was. You know, they, they didn't put him in jeopardy in the standpoint, but Stewie had – he was living with Stewie and his wife. I mean, uh, <laughs> wow, that's dedication, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely is. He yeah. he, valuable asset to the team, I tell you. He hey. really is. Well, hey, did you get any kind of, like, indication that Saturday could be the day before the day happened? I mean, did you – this past Saturday, did you, you know, uh, did – Cameron have a, a clue that that could possibly happen. Obviously, he had to be cleared to play. Uh, no. Well, the, what he told us is just uh, that he might get some PT, some playing time. And, uh, of course, we're me and my wife, Amanda, we're normally at every game. Of course, we were, we were at the Northwestern game with everybody getting soaked in, that, in the monsoon. So, yeah. But uh, we're normally – at every game, and of course, we knew if he was dressing out, there's always a chance for him to get in. And uh, of course, when he said that uh, he might get some PT, where was it going to miss this? Did so, did 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 your heart immediately flutter? Did you immediately get a little bit of a butterfly feeling? What was that when he told you that the possible PT was coming? What was that? What was that emotion like for you? Yeah, we were. I was a little anxious, a little anxious. Just want to see him, uh, you know, pat it up. And uh, with his jersey on. So, uh, and then when I saw him out there, I was like, okay, all right. And then when uh, he lined up over there, <laughs> right before the play happened, yeah, I was really getting anxious. So, uh, yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, let's talk, about, let's talk about this other thing. You know, here's the thing. This young man became a factor for this football team without playing. I mean – this is his second year as a captain. Uh, he is a, I think, going on maybe being a four-time uh, all-academic Big Ten. He's been a scholar-athlete at Ohio State since he's been there. Uh, it's just kind of a wide-open question. But he's special even without ever having caught a pass or scored a touchdown. Uh, do you – I know you understand that too. What what drives him? I mean, what, what where does that special come from? You know that that's that's just Cameron. <laughs> I mean, if you ever talk to him, I mean, he's always smiling. You know, uh, that's that's he's always been that way. That's Cameron. But that is, but clearly he's done his homework. I mean, he does his homework and stuff. I mean, was that instilled in him as he was growing up? Get your work done, or did he just always just do it? Oh well, yeah. I mean, that was the expectation that we had. You know, uh, especially if. If you start something, you got to finish. I remember when he uh, when he first started playing football. The first time he played, the first year, didn't like it. Well, you can't quit. You can you if you didn't want to play again, you still got still got to play at the end of the season. So yeah, at the end of the season, and decided he wanted to play again the next year, and it just went from there. So, but uh, the the expectation is you know always finish what you started. Yeah. To know that he's been elected captain twice. So that comes from the players. Now, obviously the coaches sign off on, on it, right. but to know that he's been elected captain, what did, what does that tell you? Or have you always noticed that he has a, like a leadership quality about him or that people gravitate to him or more than anything, maybe kind of listen to what he says, you know, when you were watching him as a little kid and stuff, did he have that quality about him? I think people just, uh, I think, uh, uh, people just gravitate towards him. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, you know, uh, he growing up, you know, he's kind of, uh, I won't say quiet kid, but you know, he's just kind of laid back. I mean, yeah. My wife says he's just like me. You never, you really don't really ever get a reaction out of you, but yeah. uh, kind of laid back. So I think people just gravitate towards him, you yeah. know? He struck it's, me as sort of a no-nonsense guy to a certain extent, you know, but with a good attitude about it. You know what I mean? Is it, <laughs> I mean, kind of like that level-headed guy you might want to go to if you got a problem. You know, uh, here's a guy with problems, but a guy you might want to lean on and, 
you know, because obviously, I mean, Justin Fields talked about him, you know, I mean, down the right around that, he's had an impact on almost everybody he's ever met at Ohio State. That that just must fill you with even more pride. Doesn't it? Forget the football. Oh, it does. It does. You know, and uh, uh, just, you know, having the team just, I tell you, when I saw after he made the catch, and the whole team, the most of the most of the guys were around him down there in the end zone. I mean, that just goes to show you right there how the team has uh, uh, has his back, yeah. if you want to say. And uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody, was... but everybody, but the officials delay a game penalty. <laughs> yeah. What do you, you know? Wow, right? That's like a, a cop giving you a ticket after he knows exactly why you did whatever it was you why whatever happened happened but you still get the ticket you get the summons yep. <laughs> hey uh last couple of things Ty what uh like you said y'all have gone to every game regardless well why mm -hmm. did you make that your mission to be there and support obviously less supporting him but it's also supporting the the Buckeyes but but you're in the stands there knowing your son wasn't going to play you know at certain times and stuff was is that just difficult or, or is it the flip side of that? Is it just enjoying it like he's enjoying it, you know? Well, I think we're enjoying it like he's enjoying it. Just uh, with, you know, it's it's a family. You got uh, the other moms and dads and you're watching their uh, sons play out there. I mean, it's, 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 it's a family. Yeah. So we just, we enjoy it, you and, know? So has that family been there for you? For you, for you and your wife, I mean, you know what I mean. Is this thing is is this taking this leaps and bounds? Have you heard from you know? Obviously, you have. I mean, I think it's one of the best family, probably one of the best family hookups in the country as far uh, as major college football is concerned, because it it is strong, right? Uh, it, it is. I agree with you. Uh, I know every time Cameron has had an injury, uh, we've always got uh, phone calls from some member of uh, the Buckeye family. So. Uh, it yeah yeah well i think it's probably the best in the country all right last thing i just want to go what it's what it's like to see him finally score yeah i asked you know we we just touched on why all those guys went and celebrated with him because it was the story of the day he gets mm -hmm. on sports center is he satisfied or where does he want to go with this i think i mean i think it's a boost of confidence for him uh and heck I know he wants to get back out there for sure. Did you? He, yeah. Did you I'm see sorry. how he caught that ball? He caught that yeah. ball with his hands, with his fingertips. He didn't, he didn't jump up and try to put the baby in the cradle. I mean, he caught that ball like a seasoned wide receiver, like the guy that was that big time recruit five years ago. Right. Uh, that, that says something about that moment, doesn't it? Go ahead. It does. I tell you, when, when you said, uh, when I saw the pass leave his hands, I mean, once the ball, once the pass left uh, CJ's hands, I mean, I knew Cameron was going to catch it. I just, I've seen yeah. him catch, and I've thrown to him, you know, out here in the yard during COVID. I just, you know, just throw it, just throw the ball his way, and he'll catch it. How many outcuts do you? I mean, because I used to throw the ball to my boys, you know. How many outcuts did he catch during that time? You know what I'm talking about? Because that was a simple outcut. But it was so complex in the other ways. But how many outcuts has he caught in that front yard, man? Oh man! <laughs> During COVID, I could I, I couldn't count because I mean that's all we did. We had a driveway. We were in the street throwing, and out, out, out. My arm was sore for for a couple of days. But yeah, wow. yeah, wow, wow. It's and to make amazing. that cut on that left leg that had that brace on it, I mean that was everything was there, man. All the pieces added up. Hey, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes do things do line up properly, right, Ty? You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Ladies, so. yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Ty Babb, a father of Cam Babb, Cameron Babb, whatever you want to call him. You still call him late for the outcut. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining the Tim May Cup podcast, my man. Thank you, Tim. I do appreciate it. Do appreciate it. And feed that cat, would you? All right. Go Bucks. I sure will. <laughs> Yeah, Joshua. I mean, you just you feel for father and son and mother and everybody else involved in that, right? Who who endured along with Cam Babb because there's nothing like seeing like you you don't have kids yet, but your dad, you know, you have a great relationship with your father. 
you know what it meant for him to see you have athletic success, but also to succeed in, in my opinion, one of the great individual individuals I've covered at Ohio state. I'm not talking about the football side of it. Uh, your dad has so much pride in, in what, what you have become as a human being. And you can see that you can hear that in Tyrone Babb's voice also, right? A lot of emotion. And I think that's a, the biggest thing about it. And, and these situations are really humanizing because then you peel off the, the cage that's around these young men's head and you take the armor off. And now all of a sudden you see the, the people that are actually involved in what happens um, in this great sport. I think it's beautiful. Joshua Perry, what's going to happen in the SEC? Is Georgia going to hold sway in the SEC championship game against LSU? They already know who's playing. You know where I'm going with this. Two weeks out, give me your college football playoff final four. Oh, boy. Is your head hurting? <laughs> yeah. So Georgia is going to do their thing. Totally on board with that. Um, I'm going with Ohio State at number two. I think that they are going to uh, stand pat. And then this is where it gets a little bit tricky. TCU has been a little bit of a roller coaster, but they're a gutsy team with the resume that's won games. Can they actually hold up their end of the bargain through the rest of the season? Wait, let me interrupt you right there. If they run, if they go undefeated, shouldn't they be rewarded for that? I mean, because I remember a 2002 Ohio State team that was this and this and this and this and had the closest games you've ever seen week in and week out. But boy, when it came time to win the game, they won the game. You understand what I'm saying there? I yes. They came up with the play or plays. Uh, now go go ahead. If they went out there, they're going to be rewarded. They certainly deserve to be in if that's the case. And, and I'm with you. Um, I, it's not about how you win them necessarily to me. It's the fact that you do win them because there's a lot of teams that end up stubbing their toe throughout a college football season. So there's a lot to be said about that. Um, does a one loss Michigan in a close game to Ohio state on the road figure into this? Where does Tennessee fit into this? I mean, Oregon was a team that a lot of people were high on much like myself, but I also recognize how bad of a matchup Washington was the number one passing offense in the nation going up against like the number, you know, one thirteen pass defense in the country. Nobody's talking about that before the yeah. game, except for me, it feels like. Um, <laughs> so it was, you know, something that you could have predicted if you were really reading the tea leaves. Yeah. Um, all that to say, I'm not giving you a damn prediction because I don't want to be wrong on this show. Yeah, there you go. Well, give me, I'm going to ask you for one more and you, you're not going to give it to me either. Who wins the big, who, who of Ohio state or Michigan, but you're already picking Ohio state there. You've already declared yourself there. Who does Ohio State play in the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis? Purdue Boilermakers. They're, they're going to have a the, one of the nastiest entries into the Big Ten Championship game. Hey, whether you come in the front door or the back door, if you're in the house, when the curtain drops, you're in the house, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, that made no sense. But uh, Joshua Perry, thank you for joining the Tim May Podcast again, my man. Always, always a pleasure. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.